This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. I mean, you know how it is, rocking and rolling and whatnot. This is Dukes and Bell. Brought to you by Finley Roofing. We've got you covered. Atlanta's most trusted and recommended roofer. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Hope you're having a great Monday. Uh, we were all watching the AFC-NFC Championship games yesterday, seeing who was going to go to the Super Bowl. We now know what that matchup's going to look like. 49ers and the Chiefs. Chiefs back in it again. We'll talk more about what we saw, where the mistakes were made, and what it means for the two teams that lost. And by the way, if you're curious, odds are already out because we know what the Super Bowl looks like. Mike, Falcons are 33-1 to right now to get to the Super Bowl, according to the odds makers, as they put all the odds out for the teams that are not participating in the Super Bowl. I'm interested. No, because uh, I do the better. I'm going to be out in Vegas the weekend after the Super Bowl, my wife's birthday, and we always jump on those odds. Mm. And uh, I got to admit, you know, it's uh, you and I, for those who don't know, Carl and I were standing to win a lot of money. $18,000 had the Falcons finished off Super Bowl 51. $9,000 each. Still hurts. No, it does. Think about it. I Honestly, I think about it uh, almost at least once a month. Yeah, well, I think about it like yesterday. <laughs> when, when, when you see these games right. play out and it just, it's a flashback of yeah. – a very, very dark place I was in. 2012, I, stu- I stood to win about 7,500. The year we lost, we blew a 17-point. Mm. That came up in the, in the coverage of the 49ers and Lions because 49ers came back from another 17-point de- deficit to win an NFC championship. Yeah, these are called future bets, by the way. You put them in before, and that, that was, hey, we're going to reach the NFC championship game. And you're doing it blind, like I, what I would Correct. say, in a few weeks because we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be, which is obviously paramount. But that's why if you get in and things shake out, all of a sudden things could look a lot brighter. All right, uh, we got to talk to our man Connor Riley. We want to talk quarterbacks. We want to talk about the dogs, the offseason, and all things. Let's talk some dogs. Dukes and Bell on the sidelines with the dogs. Connor Riley, what is going on? Uh, Before we get into anything, um, the next big thing is the Senior Bowl. I'm curious how many dogs are participating, what to expect from the guys that are participating in this year's Senior Bowl. Yeah, there are seven former Georgia players down in Mobile this week for the Senior Bowl. I think it will be a big chance for those guys to get in front of NFL talent evaluators, work with coaches, sort of show what they can do in a practice setting. Uh, you know, these are mostly older players, although you do have guys like Javon Bullard, who was only a third-year junior. And, and so what it will allow is NFL teams to really get a look under the hood and see what guys like Javon Bullard, Ladd McConkey, who – aren't going to be the Adonises of the world when they arrive in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine at the beginning of March. But this is going to allow them to show not only what they can do in a a controlled environment in front of NFL talent evaluators, 
They'll go through drills. They'll go through practices and show what they can do in those settings. And so I think for a guy in particular, like Glad McConkey, who is going to be able to answer a lot of questions this week about his ability and his skill set, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if Vlad came away as a big winner from this week, even with it being, I think, a loaded wide receiver class this year. Right. Obviously, everybody loves being a Brock, as you mentioned. Uh, I'd be curious to see how a guy like Tyke Smith does, you know, who went pro, and does he improve his stock between, like, the combine and the pro day, all that stuff goes down. Real quick, we were talking about the quarterbacks coming out. Do you feel that Bo Nix has done enough in, in, in uh, Oregon where he was, like, n- complete opposite of Auburn? Doesn't turn the ball over, make good decisions, aside from getting whooped by Georgia a couple of years back. You buy Bo Nix to the next level? It's interesting. Uh, you know, he put up great numbers this past season for Oregon. I think 40 touchdowns, three interceptions. Schematically, they put him in a very safe environment. Uh, you know, he did not have a lot of downfield passing attempts. And, you know, you do think to that Georgia game, I think you think the two games against Washington this year, uh, he didn't exactly showcase himself in those games, whereas I think he beat up on a lot of lesser competition. So I think for this week, it's a big week for him to show, hey, I'm not the player that I was in those two systems, you know, and to put Auburn on Bo Nix, I don't think it's necessarily fair to Bo there. And, And look, he's got a lot of impressive measurables. He's played a lot of football. And when you look at a guy like Brock Purdy or, say even a Patrick Mahomes who was a first-round pick, those guys have played significant football in college, and I think all the game reps that Bo Nix has taken over the years, not always in great situations. You know, he was not always on the most talented team. I I think that's going to be an asset for him in this draft process. Is he able to sneak into the first round? If he plays really well down in Mobile this week and impresses, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. I'm not saying he's going to go ahead of, I think, the clear top three of Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jane Daniels. But, you know, could he be the fourth quarterback off the board? If he performs well in Mobile this week, it would not surprise me in the slightest. What's your order? What's your pecking order for these quarterbacks? Uh, Do you have Caleb, number one, head and shoulders above everybody else? Where's May on your your list right now with what we know? Where's Michael Penix? So, I would go Caleb, one, Drake, May, two, Jaden Daniels, three. And I would actually take J.J. McCarthy, fourth. Uh, which might be a little controversial, but I think in working in that Jim Harbaugh system and playing for him, I think that's going to give him a leg up. And I think he can do more than maybe he was allowed to show that he can do at the University of Michigan. But I think those top three guys, I think they're going to be the first three off the board. I'm not quite sold on the order yet. I do think Caleb is going to be the number one guy. I think my reservations with him would be, can he consistently play within a structure? Because at USC – he was taking a lot of home run swings, and he was connecting on his fair share of them, but there were times this year where it felt like he tried to be the hero all the time, and I think you saw yesterday with what Patrick Mahomes did for the Chiefs. Well, yes, he's able to make those hero throws. He played within the system yesterday, didn't turn the ball over at all, and he kept you know, Kansas City in a game where, yes, they, they struggled to score in the second half, but did nothing to take that off the table for them. So I think that second pick is going to get interesting because Jaden Daniels, while he's not as big as Drake May, I think that guy's going to go light up the combine. And while Drake May is not a bad athlete, I, I think if Jaden Daniels goes out there and, and performs really well, he's played a ton of football in multiple schemes. I think that he is a guy that it wouldn't shock me if he does end up going number two overall to Washington uh, in this draft. And then Drake May, a solid but maybe not spectacular past season at North Carolina. And so I think it'll be interesting for him in terms of how he goes and interviews with teams at the combine.
I know you've been covering the dogs, and he's been in the pros the last couple of years, but, you know, Justin Fields is like a lightning rod. Because, if, if, to your point, if the three quarterbacks go one, two, three, and, and the Bears are moving Fields, you think Fields' second act here could work? I, I think so. I, I think you look at a guy like Jared Goff yesterday who, uh, you know, obviously accomplished a good bit in his time in Los Angeles, but uh, got to change the scenery, went to a place where he was, uh, had, a, had a lot of pieces around him, and, and led the Lions to an NFC championship game, very nearly got them to a Super Bowl. Uh, I think you look at a guy like Baker Mayfield making a second stop uh, in Tampa and having success there this year. I, I think, again, if you know, it's clear Justin Fields isn't a 1A quarterback. He's not an all-pro level player. But I also think he can be a good quarterback in a good system, or at least a capable quarterback, a quarterback getting you to a playoffs, maybe even winning a game or two potentially. And you look at Jared Goff, he's not the same quarterback he was in 2017 with the Rams that he is now. And so much of the NFL is finding answers quickly, especially with guys on rookie deals. Sometimes, you know, guys take longer to develop and become the quarterbacks that they are. You look at a guy like Kirk Cousins. The Kirk Cousins, you know, obviously prior to his, knee, his Achilles injury this year, was not the quarterback that he was when he started out at Washington. And so while you have, yes, your C.J. Stroud, your Patrick Mahomes, who come in and light the world on fire right away, I think there's also a set of quarterbacks out there who, who take some time to get better and develop. And I think Justin Fields, in particular, his skill set, and maybe somewhere else, I think can continue to develop into a quality quarterback. We're talking with our buddy Connor Riley from Dog Nation. Guys, lots of stuff going on uh, in the world of college football, as we mentioned. Senior Bowl right around the corner. What about the offseason? And, uh, you know, how private is Kirby with these offseason workouts and what's going on uh, and, and access? Uh, what happens during this time of year? Yeah, right now Georgia players are in full winter workout mode, uh, you know, getting ready for, for spring practice, which will start some point in March. Uh, I, I know Kirby in particular, this is sort of the last week for visits, so he'll be around the country once again. And then this following weekend hosting prospects. Uh, more so for the 2025 recruiting class than this current 2024 class. That's pretty much all but done for this upcoming recruiting cycle and National Signing Day. And then February is really the one month a year where he maybe takes some time off and, and recharges his batteries a little bit. Uh, February, from a news standpoint, from a, from a you know, players getting better standpoint, it's probably the quietest month of the year in terms of action, in terms of what's going on. So it's a recharge the battery time, but if you're a player on this Georgia team, these workouts are going to be vitally important, especially in an age in college football where there is so much newness. I think of the 85 players on the scholarship uh, on scholarship at Georgia, I want to say 55, 60 of them are either in their first or second year at Georgia. So a lot of this team is still new in, in going through this winter workouts, either at most a second time or for a lot of guys their first time through. Our man Connor Riley from Dog Nation. We didn't get a chance to talk to you after. I guess it was a, a nice, you know, check off that off the list for Kalen DeBoer with Bama to get Ryan Williams to come back to the Tide. Yeah, I, you know, Ryan Williams is a huge win for them, uh, especially because I think if he didn't go to Alabama, he would have gone to Auburn. And I think you look at the success that Kalen DeBoer had this past year at Washington with a guy like Roma Dunze, who's going to be in my mind a top fifteen pick in this upcoming NFL draft. Uh, to be able to retain a talent like that, even with some of what they've already lost at Alabama, uh, it shows that he is at least able to develop relationships quickly. And again, I think his success at Washington is going to be huge early on as he does sort of get up to speed and build a staff that is able to have relationships across the South. And so again, we'll see if he's able to keep Alabama recruiting at that top three level. They always were under Nick Saban, but 
when you're able to land a guy like Ryan Williams, I think that's hugely significant, not only for what Alabama can be in 2024, because they're losing a lot of the wide receiver position, but what Alabama may be able to do recruiting going forward. I am still, until I see it, maybe a little skeptical that they're going to recruit at the level Kirby Smart has at Georgia, but landing a guy like Williams and keeping him away from Auburn shows that, you know, Alabama's not exactly dead yet, and they're going to be plenty talented in the years to come. Great stuff, Connor. Where can people find your stuff, man? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter, at KConnorAlley. We still have plenty of off-season content. Young players look forward to all sort of things like that as Georgia continues to try to prepare for a 2024 season. Good stuff. Appreciate the time as always. We will talk soon. Yep, looking forward to it. Connor Riley, guys. Uh, Senior Bowl, we're going to keep our eyes and ears open and uh, find out what's going on there. Because every year there are diamonds in the rough that come out of the Senior Bowl, Mike, and teams, you know, lock on to certain players and then they end up drafting them. And you go, where the hell did they see that guy? Right. Senior Bowl. That's why I mentioned Tyke Smith to get a chance to impress amongst other dogs down there. See, sometimes it works out great. Sometimes teams fall in love with guys like Rashid Hageman. Yeah. And then but- we got to hear Brian Cox yell at him. For basically three years here in Atlanta. That's a good point. Hey, coming up, game balls, no balls. We'll hand them out. And there are plenty to hand out after yesterday. Trust me, it's Dukes and Bell. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. It is Dukes and Bell. We've been talking a lot about Patrick Special. Uh, also, what happened with the Ravens and why that offense that was just humming could not get anything done. Give a lot of credit to the Chiefs defense and what the 49ers were able to do to come back from 17 down. It's Dukes and Bell, uh, as we've been discussing this all day. And, Mike, before we hand out some game balls and no balls, uh, Mahomes yesterday, 30 for 29, or 30 for 39, should I say, 241 yards, a touchdown. But, man, he just made plays, right? And that's what this, these playoff games come down to. Right, and you've seen it before. I mean, it's not like he's running in slow motion. He's not as quick as some of the other dudes out there in the NFL, but he just makes those, you know, those cagey veteran moves, and he's still a relatively young guy, you know? I mean, you're going to see Patrick Mahomes for, you know, a long, long time in the Super Bowl. But, you know, the fake, you know, faking guys out with the arm pump and then keeping on moving, moving the chains, positive yardage. That's the kind of stuff I thought Lamar Jackson should have been doing. Take what the defense gives you. As you said, did a really nice job of masking. Are they in some kind of a zone? Are they kind of spying you? What are they doing? And I just thought, Lamar, just take five or six yards, move the chains, or just get yourself in manageable situations. And he just looked tentative. And, like, he did his magical stuff because that's why he's an MVP candidate and maybe we'll get it, Carl. He can just create some wow moments. And then on the same, like, same broadcast, you're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's, it's crazy. All right. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we, we got to give Dan Campbell – Mike, um, a no balls. Listen, I get this is how you got here. But the magnitude of this game, to pass up points on the road, Mike, and listen, Campbell after the game said, I was trying to finish them. If if we right. get that fourth down, right, and we're able to maintain possession of the football, go down and score, it's probably the ball game. He's right about that. But that risk right now when you are ahead 
it doesn't outweigh the risk of not getting it and then what ultimately happened, which is the 49ers get the ball back and then they score. And by the way, just for the record, we're not doing that Monday morning quarterback. We're both texting each other saying, no, 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 just take the, you know, take the crowd out of it, make it, get it back to a three-possession game, take right? Take the points. Take the points. And I just, we know, and I've heard this said a million times, so yes, that's that's how we got there. Yeah, he also lost some games getting that, doing it that, so like the Cowboys game comes that's to right. mind. So, I mean, I just think sometimes, and the phrase we used earlier talking to Benjamin Albright, who was uh, NFL insider, is like the situational awareness. You're on the road, hostile environment. Take, give yourself some breathing room, you know, and, and put the pressure back on San Fran. Who, the, and the, the momentum. And the, and, the, and the ultimate irony for Detroit is the play was there. Receivers got to come up with it. No doubt. All right. Uh, no balls for Dan Campbell. No balls. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and, and not letting them play long ball. You know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. And I wanted to get the upper hand back. It's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. I get that. But... I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't. We didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. You know, we just just didn't work out. Yeah. I, I, listen, mm-hmm. the heartfelt expression there about why he made those decisions, I totally get. But I just think sometimes you have to go, we've gone for it all season. Let's take the points. Even if you take one of those field goals, Mike. Right. Not not considering two that you had, you're in field goal position for two, and you decide to go for it twice. Now, as we talked earlier, the field goal kicker is more of an indoor kicker, but still, I mean, look, it's a big stage. You got to step up. You got to have some degree of confidence in him. And it, it wasn't about analytics. That's just the way he, you know, people want to make this into an analytics argument, but it's just the way he goes about his business. I just felt th- that's one where, you know, you, you, you can feel the momentum about to shift. And, you know, it's you know it's ironic. It's the same argument we got into about how the Falcons blew the Super Bowl. It's true. You know, Shanahan was a pedal-to-the-metal guy. We were in field goal range, but, you know, how do we get there? By Matt Ryan moving around in the pocket and Julio making an unbelievable toe-tap and catch on the sideline, and Shanahan wasn't prepared to go into a cocoon there, which we now know was the play. Yeah, I, uh, I get it, but I don't get it. Meanwhile, let's give Patrick Mahomes a game ball. How good is this guy? Now going on the road and winning two road games, can we put that aside now that they can't go on the road and win? Check, check. Game balls. Yeah, it was cool. Just going into <laughs> two hostile environments, having to come together as a team and, and to win those games and, and hold that trophy. It really was special. But if I had my choice, I'd rather do it at Arrowhead. So we'll try uh, after we go through the Super Bowl and hopefully win it, we're going to try to get it back at Arrowhead uh, next year. I said to Carl earlier, that game where they lost to Buffalo, you know, with the offsides, no offsides play. Remember that one? And it just discombobulated so many drop passes. How, how many times you watch? Because the Chiefs run like almost once Aaron Rodgers got knocked out of the box, the Chiefs were on national TV almost every week. Yep. And just looking so unchief-like. And all of a sudden, as I said earlier, just getting a character, man. Now they're ready to roll. I'm with you, buddy. Uh, as far as Christian McCaffrey, he ran hard yesterday, picked up some huge yards. He probably should have scored that that last touchdown, Mike, mm-hmm. but of course he was winded, and so he comes out of the game. But Christian McCaffrey, a beast, man. He gets a game ball. Game balls. From the two-yard line, they give it to Christian off the right side. Touchdown! San Francisco! They're an extra point away from tying the title game. Yeah, buddy. Uh, more fun when they're uh, probably more fun for than calling Raider games like he did in the old days. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> right. That was a fun game to call yesterday. Um, but Christian McCaffrey, you know, as far as the 49ers, 
he wasn't the only one. I mean, it was Brock Purdy, right? Purdy mm-hmm. was fabulous in this game, specifically in the second half. We've talked a lot about it. 13 for 16, 174 yards, the scrambles. Purdy gets a game ball. Game balls. Obviously, just the feeling of, of you know, redemption coming back. It's, it's huge, man. And, and for all of us, to what we went through, I guess, last year, this whole year has been crazy. You go through highs, you go through lows. And even in this game, the season's online, you're down 17. And then to, to see the, the clock hit zero and, and you're up, it's special to all of us. And so, obviously, we have one more. Job's not finished, but I'm, I'm just, I can't tell you guys how proud I am of, of the team. Yeah, and you think about the week he had. I mean, anytime he was trying to get away from, you know, getting prepared for this game, turn on the TV, oh, yep. Brock Purdy sucks. <laughs> Brock Purdy terrible. <laughs> game manager. Not big money. Not as good as the other guys. I mean, that was, you would have, am I lying? No. It's true. If, if you went to like NFL Network to ESPN, it's, it's like, quite frankly, Brock Purdy, you know, it's just everywhere he went, it was like, you suck. Uh, well, yesterday he was proving doubters <laughs> wrong. He is back. Uh, or should I say the 49ers are back in the Super Bowl. But this is Purdy, you know, um, getting his opportunity. Last time it was Garoppolo. They were this close. This close. And mm-hmm. we'll see what happens in this particular Super Bowl as we continue to hand out game balls. Can we give Travis Kelsey one too, man? Oh. You know, your girlfriend's up there. She's the biggest pop star in the world. And boy, did he show up. 11 catches. On 11 targets. Yesterday for this dude. He didn't miss. Give me a game ball for Travis Kelsey. Game balls. Unbelievable. And we said this uh, to start the show. I know a lot was made of it by the time you guys tuned in for the Chiefs on CBS. You know, and Jim Nance are like, oh, look at this, Tony. They're kicking Justin Tucker's helmet. Yeah, uh, they were, you know, the kicker is going to his normal pregame routine. You guys saw it, and Justin Tucker, one of the greatest kickers in the NFL, he's got his tee and he's got the ball, and Patrick's warming up and dropping back in the end zone. Kelsey's walks over, get this crap out of here, just kicks it out of the way. And we heard earlier that when the, the impression was Kansas City was not blanking around. I no. mean, as, again, but. It's like, I know we. It's funny. We we shouldn't have to point it out. It is the playoffs. It's one game to get to the Super Bowl. But they just came in like serious business. And Spagnola gets. I, I would give a game ball, our honorary game ball, to see Spagnola with a great game, game balls. As you said, kind of mystifying Lamar Jackson, who then really pressed and made some bad decisions. Yeah, I, I think we saw this a couple of years ago when Lamar, when uh, when I think it was the Chargers. I want to say. Yeah. Played Lamar, and everybody was like, how do you stop Lamar? What are you going to do? And they had that extra defensive back on the field for for most of the game. And that was kind of Kansas City's game plan yesterday. Um, You know, when you talk about what they were trying to do and disguising those coverages, but also, Mike, I'm going to get another guy on the field with speed. Lamar, he had some scrambles, but he didn't kill you with the scrambles yesterday, right? And you said it. There were times where you felt like, just go. Like, like why why isn't he running? Part of that was he was kind of unsure what he was seeing. Is he open? Is he not open? Is he in coverage? Is he waiting on me? And that indecision causes you not to do it. Yeah, you know what? Throw, give me a no balls. No balls going at a guy that we've been singing the praises of for basically three years is Todd Munkin. Yeah. No balls. Yes, sir. Run the football. You guys, I mean, and also help your help your quarterback out. The ball, I thought if you looked at the, at the Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Ball's coming out like that and getting him in a rhythm. And there's nothing like that set up for Lamar. And then, or it was Lamar's indecision, however you want to phrase it, but the run game. And I always thought, you know, you got Dalvin Cook, and if you feel it, maybe give him a shot too. But you never, ever committed to the run, and that was that was criminal, I thought. I thought so too. Uh, it was a bad mistake. Todd Munkin's team this year had more rushing attempts than anybody else. You get into that game and you only have six total rushing attempts from your running backs. How is that even possible? How, Sway? And you take Lamar's rushing attempts out. They rush for 24 yards with the other guys. So Crazy. It, it was a bad – that's a bad game plan. And what, what we mean, guys, is you went into a game and you tried to prove to a team that you were somebody else that you weren't. Why? You don't do that. 
that's how you got there. You should have put pressure on the Chiefs, and instead, you've got Lamar doing these things, yeah. and then you see what happens. Oh, we can talk about going for three. I think you know a field goal is subjective because it all depends on the time in the game, and and, and you know you can play your analytics game. But you're right; you just laid it out there. They were so balanced, and then they just don't run. It was 27 yards taken away what Lamar put out there. That's crazy. you can't do that. No. Not to mention spagging the Chiefs just getting after it. All right, what do you guys think? 404-726-0929. Follow us. He's Mike Bell. ATL. I'm at Put Him Up. See Dukes, the radio show. Dukes and Bell, 929. Follow the radio station, guys. 929 the game. Mike Bell, what do we got coming up in Guy Talk? Hey, man. Well, obviously, as you guys know from listening to Steak and Randy and the morning shifts, whenever there's something breaking, it happens on Dukes and Bell. So last Friday, we were uh, talking about uh, Guy Talk, and then boom, the Raheem Morris thing dropped. So I got some stories for you. Why in God's green earth would they remake Roadhouse? Why? I saw the previews for the first time this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Was not, I, I was not overly excited because I love the original Roadhouse. Right. Why do they do these things? Also, man, remember the scene in Casino where Joe Pesci gets a put in the infamous black book <laughs> and you can't go in the casino? Like you literally can't step foot, nor can any NFL player, whether they're playing in the Super Bowl or just simply going to Sin City, Carl, to watch the game. Wait to hear the rules that the NFL is slapping down because they're so worried about the gambling thing. It's all coming up in a penetrating guy talk. <laughs> Long. We're going to play as play. I hope everybody had a great weekend. It was nice to go to a party and not uh, be hosting the party. Just bring a couple of six packs of Hey Man. Now I want to give a shout out to uh, my neighbors. Uh, they're big Ravens fans. The whole house was decked out in uh, purple and black and gold. And uh, they, man, they, they took it hard, Carl. I bet. Uh, Sue and Craig. And their daughter was like in tears. I mean, they're just, they, they live it. <laughs> so I was like, and I, I kind of, I didn't want to you know, get the party off on the wrong side. It was about, about uh, two dozen of us at the house. He did a nice job. Smoked pork butt, 11, 11 hours. Carl was so tender. It was great food. Becky made some stuff. But I said, hey, by the way, you know, this ref, this is going to be tough sledding for you guys. What do you mean? Well, this ref is terrible. He really screws the home team. <laughs> and they're like, what? And then Sue and her husband's like, what? Yeah. We did the numbers earlier because it is kind of mind-blowing. For what it's worth, guys, the guy that was in charge, there were some awful, awful officiating blunders in this Ravens game, and it really did screw the home team. So I don't know how that worked out and why it does, but normally 55.4% of games in the NFL, the home team wins. But when this dude, this Sean Smith cat's in charge, that number drops down to 40.8%. It's weird. Number one seed, number one defense, MVP candidate. Now, again, some of the stuff that we just talked about in game balls, no balls, was self-inflicted. But, yeah, the, the refs didn't help in the Charm City. Yeah, I, I – uh... I don't know how, again, the numbers don't lie, but Mike, how can you quantify this when you watch these games? Did he make any calls that changed the game? Like, when you see it in basketball, it's kind of obvious, right? The foul discrepancy. We have that soundbite where the Toronto coach is going off. You know, no, we won't even show up. It's hard in the NFL to distinguish, like, is there something going on here? Let the Chiefs get away with a lot of holding. Then they had two back-to-back. I don't think I was on the guard, I want to say. They, yep. had, they called two. But for the most part, it was a lot of pass interference I thought was jive. Now, by the letter of the law, the taunting penalty on Zay Flowers was taunting. But I just thought, how do you call that in a championship? This is completely BS. This Thank is you. shame. Thank you, my yeah. friend. Yeah. No, it's just true. I just thought, that, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a big it's a big emotional game. These guys are warriors, and the guys like, well, you can't have him standing over. It's a bad message for the kids. <laughs> well, whatever. I don't have any kids. I don't care. I just want to see a good playoff game. Uh, the, uh, the 49ers, really funny. It's too dirty to play, but you can be Googling it. Just look up Ayuk reaction. 
And uh, when he finds out, Brandon Ayuk, that he didn't make SportsCenter's number one play was actually a, a Lamar Jackson touchdown throw yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that made it. Or was it the Lamar well, yeah, tip? The tip. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was the, the play that didn't make it was the one where, obviously, if you look at it in slow motion, how is this not an interception for the Lions? It's tipped to Ayuk and then takes it initially to the end zone, marked out at like the three-and-a-half-yard line. So he's watching SportsCenter, and they see him at number two, and he's like, oh, that's a bleepity bleep bleep. Because he's laying in bed. <laughs> It was a great so play. Yeah, really I don't was. know how he caught that. Like, even watching the replay, I was like, right. the concentration, how he caught that ball. But the Lamar play looked like something off of Madden, right? right. right. Like the tip ball, and then he only sees it, and all of a sudden you see him running <laughs> through everybody else, and he's got the ball. It, it was crazy. Right. Man, get the blank. And that's basically where he went with when he saw that he was not number one. <laughs> For you deadheads, Bob Weir was at the sh- at the uh, at the game. And a lot of I wasn't the only guy that was really, really wished there had been a dedicated channel to the Journey halftime show so I didn't have to listen to you know me. Because we talk about this for a living, I just think there's nothing less interesting than hearing guys talk at ten seconds in a soundbite, you know, at those halftime and pregame shows. But Journey was in the background. You could hear Journey and they sounded like like album quality perfect because you know the singer that took over Steve Perry, the young man from the Philippines, just sounds unbelievable. Yeah, no, he does. He's we said it, Mike. If I, you close your eyes and I play right. the you know, the original. Right. And I put you. I don't know if you can tell them apart. Or, Oren, do we know if they altered the lyrics to just a small town boy born and raised in South Detroit? <laughs> because there were a lot of Detroit fans. There were. I was blown away how many 49er fans did not or just did not. Maybe they didn't buy the playoff tickets because the premium. But there was a lot of blue, Honolulu blue scattered in, uh, in Levi Stadium. There was. I saw a guy uh, with his family. One of my good friends was at home. They sent me a picture. They're big Detroit fans. They all had the jerseys on. Listen. I think if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you're proud, right? Because right. it's been so long, Mike, since you had been to this spot and this particular chance to get to the Super Bowl. But, yeah, man, I, I'm with you. They represented the, 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 uh, the city. No doubt they were out there. All right, man, the Lions are set right now, guys, because of their strong defense. It is the 49ers minus one and a half. The uh, over-under on this one is 47 and a half. And uh, we can debate it. I know the, the 49ers just went over in that uh, NFC championship game. The under, obviously, was in the AFC back in Baltimore. But, uh, yeah, up to one and a half right now. So, we'll see. I'm, I'm kind of liking the Chiefs in this one, getting that one and a half. <sighs> like everybody else. It's hard to bet against this dude. Right. I'm talking about Mahomes. I'm specifically. He just gets it done. Yeah. Now, when you're in Vegas, whether you're playing in the Super Bowl or one of the uh, big ballers who's just attending the, uh, the shenanigans in Vegas, you can't gamble. I mean, you, not that you can't bet on the game. You obviously can't do that. You can't even play craps, roulette, keno. Nope. Pie gal. <laughs> I mean, you can't do jack, man. You know, single deck. Can't do a thing. The NFL's got uh, some draconian rules, some folks are saying, when it comes to Sin City. Uh, front office sports uh, has got the, uh, the on their website. While in Vegas, players participating in the Super Bowl or anything else, uh, the activities prohibited from engaging in any form of gambling, including casino games on any sport. I was joking around with Carl earlier, like that scene in Casino when they finally, you know, De Niro tells Joe Pesci, dude, you're in the black book. You're yep. in there with Al Capone. Yep. You can't. And he's like, but what if I want to go in the, there's a restaurant in the casino that's got that steak sandwich. I'm like, no, <laughs> Can I go in there? You can't go in there. <laughs> so I'm curious to see who's going to be narking out the NFL players if they're trying to get it in out there in Las Vegas. Hey, uh, this was a story we had last week, and I'm like, Sometimes I just don't understand why movies get remade because they're pretty much, you know, they got it right the first time. I love Rollerball. They did a crappy version of that. And, you know, you can go round and round. I love The Longest Yard, although for a younger audience, the one with Adam Sandler might be the one they like. I like the old school with Burt Reynolds. Roadhouse is going straight to streaming. The director is not happy. He was told that uh, once the guys at Amazon got into film, it was going to all be on the website. It was going to go to the theater. Mm. Well, not this one. So he's not even promoting his own movie that he made with Jake Gyllenhaal. 
And based on the promo, it looks like they're taking it from outside of Kansas City and they're putting it in Florida somewhere, like in South Beach or the Keys. Okay. Is What streaming service is it on? Amazon. Mm. Yep. Uh, for what it's worth, the uh, director, Doug Lyman, brought, uh, is a boycott, boycotting it. Jake Gyllenhaal is playing uh, Dalton. Obviously, the role made famous by Patrick Swayze. And I don't know, there's a lot of like, sort of act, smaller named actors as far as like who's going to play the Sam Elliott character, who's going to play the Ben Gazzara character, you know. It was a mercy killing, Dalton. <laughs> Did him a favor. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, for those who've never been to a Twin Peaks, we have a guy, Tinker, one of our loyal listeners, who looks a lot like he the guy. Does. What do you see, Tinker? Big Bear fell on me. When they're in. He does look like him. He does. And sounds like him at times. Yes, that's at the end of the movie when they finally, finally, after like an hour and 45 minutes, they kill the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Some already great lines in that move. But you and I always, I, I know I can always get a laugh out of Carl when the henchman, you know, for Ben Gazzara's character, you know, like, I used to blank guys like you, you in prison. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Orrin. That just makes me chuckle, man. It's funny. It's a great, it's a great laugh. It's funny. <laughs> Okay, I, just, I amused myself there. All right, guys, uh, 10 years ago today, actually yesterday, 10 years ago yesterday, uh, Turtle, you missed it. You were working for CBS up in New York. We lived it. Now, you had the flu that day. I'm talking about Snowmageddon. Yeah, we hadn't. We weren't working together at that point. Nope. I was um, still at the old station before and, it died. Yeah, and, and I, ironically, I hadn't had the flu in years. Caught the flu, was already sick and at home. And remember calling the old boss and saying, yeah, I think I might come in today. And he goes, how you feeling? Eh, I feel a little right. bit better. He goes, I don't know. You need to take another day. And that's Snowmageddon. It happened, and I ended right. up getting stuck. You know, if you were right. here, everybody was stuck, Mike. It was absolutely insane. There were people at the station who couldn't leave, mm-hmm. who were here for four to five days straight, couldn't get home, right, right. and um, were just stranded here now. If you're looking or new to, to, to the city and you go, Colony Square, it's great. It wasn't this in 2014. <laughs> right. That, that we didn't have all these restaurants that right. we have now. It was completely different, Mike, and it was hell. So many people got stranded at work, mm. and I remember them rotating people. Even our boss at that time was going on the air. It, it was crazy. And by the way, 2014 is before the pandemic, so all this remote work-from-home stuff. Wasn't happening yet. Yeah, a lot of people weren't doing it. So it was crazy. I just remember the main thing that stands out in my mind is people freaking out about getting their kids home because buses were stranded. And, and the right. kids, when the snow started and it started getting really bad, people knew that their kids were supposed to be home. And I remember, like, trying to go get Trin and figure out what was going on. Was she on the bus? Was she going to wait? Because they wanted parents, you know, to come get their kids as soon as possible. That stands out. And then right. being at home, obviously, and just seeing all this snow, man. Right. Of course, the famous Chipper Jones rescuing Freddie Freeman with the ATV yep. and getting him home. I was, uh, at the time, my offices were up at Windy Hill. And I remember I was so ticked off. I'm stuck in 285 as a parking lot. And then, unfortunately, here comes Mayor Reed's motorcade going to the weather gym. <laughs> oh, like, to do oh, a statement. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. And then eventually... Uh, it was funny. I was driving, and like everybody else, uh, I was my car. I got a rear-wheel drive car. That was the old Cadillac I had. And I was funny. I was talking to a dude, and we're both, both stuck. And as, uh, I give to this day, the guy's name was uh, Jerome, not not your Jerome, no, the Alabama guy, yeah, guy. different Jerome. Yeah. But it, Jerome and his son. And he goes, "Hey, man." He goes, "Cause he was in a Camaro." He goes, "Put it in reverse. I'm about to lower gear. It's a, it'll be it'll, it'll be you get more traction." Huh. So I literally drove Chris from basically 285 into Midtown backwards. In the car, and you can imagine what that was like with a Camaro in front of me, also going backwards. Couldn't get over the hill on 10th and 14th. I had to park it by the baseball stadium at Georgia Tech by the Pike House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, there's a guy that I'm like, hey, dude, you couldn't get anywhere. Couldn't go anywhere. Everybody was stuck. 
Right. And then the next day to the Super Bowl. And then Squid Billy driving yeah. through College Park, through front yards, and just amazing trying to get there in the truck. It was just, Chris, I know you've heard the, the, the war stories. It's like, you know, it's, it was something else. It really truly was. Hey, man, real quick, for guys just tuning in, we know when we're going to get to hear from our new coach. We're going to talk about it in the Falcon Report press, uh, press conference schedule for Mercedes Benz. We believe in the afternoon on next Monday, a week from today. So we're working on it. Hopefully, you and I will get a chance to be there. Uh, also, guys, and we'll talk more about the staff. The staff's coming together. One last nugget for you in, uh, in Guy Talk. Uh, ever since Doc Rivers uh, took the uh, job now with Milwaukee after they fired their coach, they got just two people. It's just Mike Breen and Doris Burke right now doing the NBA oh, right, on TV. He, yeah, he left the broadcast. Well, guess what? Do you, what do you think of this, guys? And I'll, I'll go around the room. we got a minute here. What do you think of J.J. Redick jumping in? That's the report from Andrew Marchand from the New York Post. There's going to be J.J. Redick jumping in, who's been pretty outspoken, has, yeah. definitely has some strong opinions, and that's generally what I'm looking for in a broadcast like this. I, uh, I Listen, I like J.J. Redick on these games. I've heard him on a couple of games. I had no issues. It's not like he doesn't know the game and what he's talking about and his relationships are great. I, I think that might be interesting. Mike. That might add some energy right. to, to, to the broadcast. Not that it's bad, right. but bringing in a, a younger J.J. Reddick, that might add some yeah. energy to – If uh, Reddick goes like Dan Aykroyd with Jane Curtin, Doris, you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Chris? I mean, you know, you've, you've, we've had him on the show. What do you think? Yeah, no, he's really good. The guy I was hoping they would bring in is Richard Jefferson. I think he's great. And he brings a sense mm. of humor and positivity to a broadcast. I think he would have been a slam dunk. Right. I just love Mark Jackson with the Van Gundy. I just thought that was perfect. But, hey, what do I know? Are you like Switzerland on this one? You got an opinion one way or the other? I, I Both of them are good. Reddick's good. Uh, RJ is good, too, so they can't go wrong with either one of those two. All right, man. Yeah, I think so, too. Hey, we get Tony Romo and Nance. CBS has the Super Bowl, by the way. I'm happy about it. Listen, I do the, they do a good job. I, I really want to know where Olsen's going to land. Last, yesterday watching that game, I was like, this dude is good. He <laughs> right. is fun. I enjoy him. I just want to see where he's going to go. I know I know the GOAT is coming, but I want right. to see, see where Olsen ends up. Hey, uh, yeah, maybe. By the way, a couple guys uh, say they want us to do uh, more uh, Roadhouse references in the future. It's we fun, will. man. That's a great movie. That's why I'm with you. I don't. I'm not going to watch this remake. I'm no, not. I refuse I'm to. Not. And I'm not against Jake Gyllenhaal. But no, I mean, he's a on. good actor. He's a good actor. I'm just not going to watch this. Remake. His name is Dalton. <laughs> there you go. There's your guy talking. Hey, by the way, Dukes and Bell. Hey, man, ale. It's funny. I was at the liquor store on Saturday, and they go. Uh, she goes, the ladies always gets a kick that I'm the guy on the can. <laughs> so, and you and me on the can. Go get your Heyman Ale. Southside, Kedron, World of Beverage in Peachtree City. And then while I was putting this out on Twitter, Carl, because there was literally nothing going on during the weekend, I want to give a shout-out. A couple guys gave us some places where you can go get our brew. And one of them is uh, down at Camp Creek World of Beverage. Yeah. So for guys on the south side. There's a couple of spots where they got Heyman Ale. Just look for Dukes and Bell on the can, man. Please do. Coming up, we will talk about the Falcons. The staff is starting to come together. We'll talk more about it next on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 